Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. When you taught this, you you brought that up, the lack of awareness of their sin, and there's some verses. Do you remember what those verses were? Yeah, there's this great passage. Um, look, I mean, so like there's, there's a bunch of passages where he's like saying, look, this is what you're doing wrong. <laughs> and he doesn't pull punches, right? That's why they hated him so much. That's why he was a weeping prophet, you know? Yeah, so uh, that's, uh, there's one, Jeremiah 7, 31. Yeah. For okay. from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. Yeah. That's chapter six, verse 13, actually. But keep, yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. Oh, it, oh, that is. That is chapter six, verse 13. Um, and from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. Yeah, so they're cheating each other in business, right? So that's like, you know, greed and that kind of stuff. And But then it gets worse. Right. Seven, verse 31, right? It says what? And they have built the high places to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. They were, they were doing child sacrifice, just like all the cultures around them were. You know, my crops will grow better if I give up one of my children and throw them in the fire. I mean, they're, it's horrific. It's horrific. This is all happening in Jerusalem, right? This is right yeah. before the fall of Jerusalem. Yeah. Basically, Jeremiah is living during the fall of Jerusalem, right? He's yeah. he's so, he's predicting it. And right. He's, and right. He actually witnesses it happening. Yeah, there's a great verse from what we will get to in a minute here by one of the guards that sees it so more clearly than they do. But just to continue on this theme, like in Jeremiah 2, he talks about on your skirts is found the lifeblood of the guiltless poor. So they were like taking advantage of the poor. So the whole spectrum of sin, right? Just awful. And then my my favorite is in chapter 16. Um, wait, is that the one? Uh, chapter 16, yes. 10 to 12. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And he says, and when you tell this people all these words, and they, this is God talking to Jeremiah, and they say to you, why has the Lord pronounced all this great evil against us? What is our iniquity? What is the sin that we have committed against the Lord? What have we Lord done wrong? What have we done? What have Meanwhile, we, like, they're sacrificing their children. That's right. That's right. But they have absolutely zero awareness of their sin. They're like, what? What? What are you, what are you talking about? What have we done? And you can absolutely hear people today say exactly the same thing. What? Come on. What what if it's what are they doing that's so bad? And and then actually the next verse that follows, God says to Jeremiah, then you shall say to them, Let me tell you everything you've done. I'll list it for you. Your fathers have forsaken me. They've gone after other gods. They've served and worshiped them. You've forsaken me and I kept my law. You've done worse than your fathers. And he says, For behold, every one of you follows his stubborn, evil will, refusing to listen to me. And like, let me painfully make it clear to you what your sin is, but they were they were engaged in such blatant, obvious sin from child sacrifice to cheating each other, robbing the poor, all kinds of, and they just, and when he pointed it out, they're like, what, what? They got angry at him, right? They right. shot the message. They're like, we don't want to hear that. And I, and I don't, and, and, but they, the, the complete utter disbelief, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. So our ability to fool ourselves and, and not see the sin that we're in is, I always say this phrase, Greg. You heard me say. I know you, you heard me say it. Self justification is bottomless. Yes, 
evil dictators think they're doing the world a favor. I mean, people that are do all, all unspeakable evil say, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And that's kind of what he's what he's doing here. So that's why I love that cistern when you're talking about because then it's like it kind of starts there. Like your sin is your chief sin is idolatry. It's not just that you do the wrong things, you you love the wrong things, right? Yeah. You put your life on the wrong things. That's a and I've never seen that well the well illustration. I think that's like that's a good visual way to show people like, look, you're building your life on things that will fail you. Yeah, and it says that it says that they dug their own cisterns. Now think about if you were to if you and I were to go out in our yard and dig a cistern, we're not gonna. Uh, that's not an easy job. I think you could find pictures for your talk, like of real cisterns in the middle because it's an arid climate. So when it rained, they wanted to capture all the water. And I'm a, in my memory, I've seen like they're they're huge because you yeah. want to like, get the rain because you might have like a months without any rain. So. The thing that strikes me, though, is how much blood, sweat, and tears people put into giving their lives to the wrong thing. Yes, yes, that's it exactly. It's because not only is self-justification bottomless, being your own savior is horribly hard work. The burden is so hard. That's when Jesus comes along and says, take my yoke. My burden is easy, and my my yoke is easy. My burden is light because he does the work for us in the gospel, right? He's the one who pays the price. But you, you're digging your own. You're building a life for yourself. You're your own savior. And it is wearying. So wearying to be your own savior and constantly have to justify your life. So I, I think it's interesting you do that illustration with college students. Because when you're young, you don't, it's so easy to say, oh, no, no, you don't understand. I'm going to have a great life. I'm building a great life. And I uh, keep digging. Dig for 40 more years. Dig for 30 more years. <laughs> Right. You know, watch people who built their life on career, watch everything fall apart around them. And uh, well, I think know, it I think it 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 appealed to co- it worked with college students. And this was a this was a very effective. It's effective for, for a couple of reasons. One is it's a dialogue tool. So it allowed me to get to know them. Yeah, that's um, good. It's it's not like me just reading a booklet or something like that. Right. It, you're actually good. you're actually doing this together like. I'm drawing a box and I'm like, what are some things people you see people giving themselves to? Oh, they're academics, right? You know, um, relationships, sex, you know? So um, I think it, it appeals, it appeals, you know, it's interesting because when you're, when you're 18 to 22, your, your cisterns are, pro- I think what you're saying is your cisterns may be smaller. And you're still digging. And you and, still, and so you, hopefully you think still digging. other people have failed. Yeah. They may be, you know, um, so, somewhat simplistic, like, you know, academics, for example. Right. Where as you get older, your cisterns get bigger and <laughs> maybe and more complex. And, and actually some of them are like, we give ourselves to good things, but if we make those good things into an ultimate thing, if we if if we make them into an idol, then that's just as bad as you know giving our lives to the blatantly wrong things. Yeah, yeah. Or it can be just as harmful. Um. So you also brought out two years ago that the idea about sin is sin is more uh, complex. That sin is just not idolatry, but. Um, it's addiction. And how did you see that in the book of Jeremiah? Yeah, there's this great passage. And since you're doing one through 33, you could use this 
verse, it's in chapter two, because again, they're like the, in total denial of their sin. And um, I think it's in chapter two, verse 22 to 25. And a part of it here, I'll read it to it says, how can you say, I am not defiled? I have not run after the Baals, which were the idols that they're worshiping. See how you behaved in the valley. Consider what you have done. You are a swift, this, and this language is really raw. It's really yeah. vivid. I think a lot of people who don't know the Bible say, I didn't even realize this kind of stuff was in the Bible. Um, it says, yeah. you are a swift she-camel running here and there, a wild donkey accustomed to the desert, sniffing the wind in her craving, in her heat. Who can restrain her? Any males that pursue her need not tire themselves. At mating time, they will find her. It's like a, it's sexual addiction, right? Right. It's like, or any addiction. I can't stop. And the next verse is the killer. He says, but you said it's no use. I love foreign gods and I must go after them. It is, it is someone who's in the depths hits rock bottom depths of addiction. It's no use. It's no use. I can't stop myself. Gotta have it. And like, and he, this is thousands of years ago, man, he nailed it. I mean, long before people got to 12 step programs and understanding what addiction does to people. Yeah. Right. This is like, he's saying the way he's, the words he uses and any, I think, I think if you were any addict or someone who struggled with alcohol, anybody, when they read these words, they say, I know exactly what he's talking about. When you, when someone said you're describing how they're craving this and they say, you know, it's no use. It's no use. It's no use resisting. Gotta have it. That's the language of addiction. We should uh, camp out on this just for a minute because, you know, we call this podcast the gospel addict. Podcast. Oh, you're right. We do. So, <laughs> And so we, we use that. We use the word addiction or addict. And yeah. uh, we can talk about why. I mean, this is this is so um, it resonates with me so much that we're all addicts. We're all yeah. addicts. Every right. human being well, is an addict. We're addicted to something. That's right. And we may change our addictions uh, throughout life, but we're we're our tendency is to give our lives to something. Yeah. And so, being a gospel addict is kind of going to that spring of of living water and saying, right. you know what? I've been chasing the wrong things. I've been digging up. Digging, digging a cistern over here. Meanwhile, there's a spring of living water that never that's right. ends. It's free. That's free. Yep. And that's the gospel, right? That's the gospel. Someone else did the work for me. I just need to surrender to it. I need to say, yeah, I'm going to stop digging, stop building my own life on the wrong foundations, stop the things I'm addicted to. It's shifting my your affections. This is like I was putting my trust in the cisterns I was digging. I was putting that was going to do it for me. It was going to give me a life. And I was digging those things. And I say, I'm going to stop putting my trust in those things and put my trust in the, the source of living water, right? That's and what Jesus says to the woman at the well. If you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. Like this is this is living water, right? Yeah. And what's crazy, what's crazy about this is that um, the people reject it. The people reject the gospel. And I can only reject think- Jeremiah. Yeah, I mean, they rejected Jeremiah's message. Yeah. Um, yeah. And right. all they had to do is turn, all they had to do is turn back to the Lord and repent. And um, they couldn't. They said, it's no use. No use. I love I foreign gods. I yep. must go after him. That is, uh, that is a powerful, 
That is a powerful uh, statement there. Yeah, this is uh, the two the two chief sins of humankind, right? Yeah, uh, I am and not I, a bad person. You know, one tells me what to do. And you know, you think about things haven't changed over thousands of years. I mean, we're still um, just like like them. I mean, uh, we struggle with a lack of awareness of our own sin. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and that's why we always talk on this podcast about the progress in the Christian life is marked. Uh, progress in the Christian life is not so much marked by improvement in your moral performance. It is, but that's not the point of the Christian life. That's the result of the Christian life. Progress is growing in your awareness of your own sin and awareness of his holiness and what it took for him to fill that gap. Growing yeah. your and constantly growing awareness. So, you know, like, so you should be saying, like I look at these notes that I did for this two years ago, I think like I should be saying, I'm more aware today, two years later, of how sinful I am than when I did this talk two years ago. That if that is progress in the Christian life. I'm I'm a, I'm a like you often said that, didn't you say that? Like when you became a Christian, you thought I'll sin less and less. Absolutely. I remember as a young Christian, um, you know, every time I opened the Bible, I felt like it was telling me what was wrong with me. Right. And I really struggled just, you know, spending time with God and, and reading the Bible. But what it was is it was the Holy Spirit just kept showing me my sin, like, you know, um, and my need that my need for a savior. And so I did kind of just have this idea that, you know, now that I'm a Christian, I'm going to sin less and less. Um. I'm just going to become a better person. But in reality, it's, it's the opposite. It's like, I, I like the illustration of like a dimmer switch. Like if, when you walk into a room, you know, the room is completely dark. And, and in order to fully understand the gospel, you need to see how dark the room is. You need to see how, how dark your, your, your soul is. That's right. God. Right. So it's like, imagine, have you ever been in a cave that's like completely, completely yes. dark? You can't even yep. see your hand in front of your face. You can't even. Yeah. I mean, essentially that is, that is like us apart from God. Um, but then it's like, imagine, you know, lighting a match and, um, and then all of a sudden you can, you have this awareness and you see the light. That's kind of like when you first come to Christ, but then imagine that light gets brighter and brighter it's like a imagine a dimmer switch on the wall where you can just turn up that flame and it just brightens room pretty soon though what you don't realize is just you know um how much darkness there still is in your life you know and um you know so and it just drives you to your knees and it drives you to jesus amen right because you realize because, now that's what he saved me from Right. I, his my salvation was always a great salvation. I just thought it was an okay salvation. It was a good salvation. It was a good salvation. I didn't realize it was how great a salvation. This is um, what's the verse in Hebrews? How should we escape if we neglect such a great, great salvation? Salvation, a great, yeah, right. And and really, if you understand, and it's not just his, it's not just our sinfulness that we need to understand. You mentioned our whole God's holiness, that's exactly. because that's the other thing. Those are the two key factors and really grasping um what it means to follow christ is like um 
we need God is so much more holy than we think he is. Yeah. He is so much more pure than than we think he is because we can only think in terms of human human purity and human right. standards and you know but he is uh it's kind of you know you get the feeling and and this happens in the Bible when people come in contact with the living God they fall on their face. Well, so you mentioned earlier how Jeremiah God touches his lips and I was thinking yeah. of Isaiah. Yeah. You know, where he sees God face to face and he's right. He says, you know, depart from me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I come from people of unclean lips. It's like, he just feels like he's fallen apart. And the same imagery where God takes, a, I think a cherubim, takes a tongs and takes a coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips. Real or kind of similar parallel. But it's it's anytime people come close to close to the, the personal holy, right? Yep. The, uh, yep. the living God, right? Even That's Jesus, true. right? Remember they, 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 the first time he... Uh, they realize a supernatural thing is here. They pull the fish out of the water. They say, depart from me. I think it's Peter. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Right? True. True. So why don't we end our uh, discussion tonight just talking about how G Jesus is the true and better Jeremiah. Because we began, the, we began the podcast talking about Jeremiah, some of the things about his life. Um, I think we mentioned that he was born in a small town outside of Jerusalem. Yep. So so was Jesus. He was born in a small time out. Um, we, we mentioned that Jeremiah's never married. So was Jesus. Jesus never married. Right. Um, uh, we didn't mention this, but according to um, church history, he was carried off to Egypt, right? Yeah, it was the end of his life. He was carried off to Egypt. He was actually Probably died in Egypt. Right, that's right. But he was carried off to Egypt. Well, we know that Jesus was carried off to Egypt as a young boy. That's right. Um, what were some of those other characteristics, Jim? Well, so Jeremiah's message was not just for the Jewish people; it was for all the nations. Because a lot of his, a lot of the message is actually very political. It talks about all the other nations, and of course, Jesus was here to, you know, not just just for the Jewish people, but for the Gentiles as well. So his message was for the salvation of the entire world. He was a weeping prophet. And then we know in Isaiah that, Je that Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. That's right. That's um, right. They're both they're, rejected in their hometown. Both they're of them were both rejected in their hometown. Uh -huh. They were both, um, the religious leaders conspired against them. Yep. Uh, against both Jeremiah and uh, Jeremiah was beaten, mocked, and convicted in a show trial. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Um, left for dead in, in a hole in the ground. He was Jeremiah was actually lowered into a cistern, left for dead. So just just like yeah. Jesus, left for dead in a hole in the ground in his tomb um, in the same way. Yeah. So um, isn't it cool? Just to think about all those parallels, but then to think about how Jesus is the true and better Jeremiah. And I think yeah. we we see this theme throughout the whole Bible, um, especially in the Old Testament, that everything in the Bible points us to Jesus. That's right. And the so whole thing. He's the true and better Abel. He's the true and better, you know, Adam. He's the true, you know. You can better Joe, two better Jonah, two better David. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, almost in every story, you can find parallels, but Jesus is the true and better because um, he's the ultimate. That's right, and all those stories are really all about Jesus. So, and the one thing, and it's the and that 
uh, when I was doing this, it was the last thing I, I mentioned about this idea that Jesus is that Jesus is the true and better Jeremiah is that thing that it echoes what you were saying earlier, Greg, that Jeremiah is such a personal book. It's about not just his message, but the the, the person himself of Jeremiah. And in if you read Jeremiah, everyone in the book is evaluated in terms of their relationship to Jeremiah. It's from his scribe to the kings. Everybody, they're all other characters in the play, but everyone is evaluated in terms of their relationship to Jeremiah. And in the same way, we are all evaluated in terms of our relationship to Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.